Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Hey, y'all, we are going to jump in to part two of my interview with my husband, Justin Dukid. Yeah, we're going to dive into tips on what's helped in our relationship. So let's let's get started. Please enjoy. What would you say are some of the most surprising aspects you couldn't have anticipated, you know, being married to somebody in, in medicine or even as an anesthesiologist? Hmm, good question. I would say one of the most surprising things about marrying an anesthesiologist is that your hours are not 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. That was what we were talking about, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was Hey, that was in a by seven, out by three, yeah. you get to set your own schedule. Yeah. What what happened to that? Right, I know, right? <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yes, and when you're we, coming home five, six o'clock, and you're yeah. out the door six o'clock because of grand rounds or whatever. And so, hey, this schedule is not really syncing up with the dream scenario we no. were we were looking at pre yeah. pre marriage years yeah i think i mean before actually starting residency i thought once i'm an attending i get to set my hours i get to have responsibility and autonomy mm-hmm. uh, instead of just all the responsibility and no autonomy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah imagine as a resident i mean i'm like yeah as a resident sure you know, I'm in at six and out at seven. And that's just the way it is because I'm a trainee. Uh, but then when you see as an attending, you still have similar hours. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I I was let down and surprised by that. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you were too. Yes, yes. And another thing is with the vacation scheduling, that's also so, somewhat of a surprise where <laughs> we did do that vacation hack where we could have the two weeks on or the two Fridays off. And oh. yeah, we did that vacation hack and then whoop, the next mm-hmm. year they canceled that. And then- So what he's referring to is that my first job out of training, um, the, the organization did not require for you to take one week block of vacation time. You can divide your vacation days however you like. Mm-hmm. And so I took advantage of that by having Fridays off, you know, four day weekends, and yeah. then Friday and Monday every two weeks. You right, were, right. You're off, so so having shortened work weeks, and then the following year, the organization said, "No, we're not allowing that anymore." So the flexibility that we had in regards to vacation went away. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. But now, yeah, it's pretty strange to still be a full time attending, and you're still forced to take vacation in one week blocks when, you know, life isn't like one week blocks. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that was kind of a, a, a surprise. Yeah. So how do you navigate those disappointments? Well, I like to find other hacks and I don't think I found such a great hack since then, but we just deal with it as it is. And um, what I like to do since I'm sort of a vacation trip planner, now I study the airline schedules and I'm able to see, okay, the best deals are these weeks out of the year. So I want you to go to HR, tell them these are the weeks you went off and it's going to be opposite of all those weeks that everybody wants, the hot summer blocks and the hot spring break blocks. Hey, maybe we're going to go at the beginning of November, end of December or something like that. So this is how we kind of work around the strict vacation and scheduling policies at the job. Yeah, definitely. So we have three kids, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Ages six, eight, and 11. Uh, Our kids, they're exactly two years, three months, and four days apart. No, we did not plan that. (laughs) That was just divine right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do get the question, like, did we plan out our kids? No, we didn't. Uh, How did we establish the roles? Well, at the very beginning of our relationship, the, the roles were very fluid as far as who does what. It's a matter of who can do mm-hmm. what. Mm-hmm. Um, by the biological imperative, I'm the one that would have to carry the pregnancy and provide the breast milk. So Justin was the one who found the pediatrician, identified the daycares. Oh, yeah. I was doing milk storage and freezing and labeling yeah. and doing the uh, pediatrician visits, finding the daycares. So those were just kind of the natural division of labor that we came up with since it's what we could do at the time. Right. We were just making the best of it. I mean, so in terms of scheduling a pregnancy, would you say there's a time that's better? Is it in medical school, after medical school, post-residency? How long should your family wait before having their first kid? Because it's never... It's never a perfect time. You you always want to say, okay, wait till we're established in our careers right, and we have right. the 401k set up. And oh it's never gonna never gonna be the no, perfect no, time. It's really not. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of a lot of my co coworkers getting pregnant now, mm. you know, and they've been attendings for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I would not advocate waiting at all. I think that whenever you and your spouse you guys decide you're ready, go ahead and do it because there's no place in this medical training where it's like, Oh, this is a niche spot. Like this is a great time to do it. There is none. And no one's going to give you permission. And, you know, time just is going to continue to go. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. First year of anesthesiology residency, anyone would have said, "Uh, did you plan that? Is that the, but it's like, that's God's timing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the end, it worked out. We made it work. Um, and I'm using all the vacation time as your maternity leave. Yes. Yeah. Was... I had to use my three weeks vacation time and three weeks sick leave. So I got mm. a total of six weeks. So that was your maternity leave. That was my, yeah, that was my makeshift 
maternity leave, mm-hmm. which I mean, many people be absolutely mortified. Yeah. Couldn't imagine more less than 12 weeks with their kid. Right. right? And here I am with six weeks. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to finish my training On like time, with everyone right? else. Mm-hmm. I did. So, yeah, I did require a great deal of sacrifice. But with that being said, it, it can be done. That's all. OK. You know? if, if you want to go that route, you can do that route. If there's nothing wrong with delaying. You're your... absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with delaying it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, those of you in the trenches, you know, even though there's nothing wrong with extending your time and training, there is a pressure to keep performing mm. at the level of everyone else. Mm. I mean, it just it just is. And so it's by the grace of God that I didn't have any issues in my pregnancy because oh. I was carrying yes. all six of the pagers under my belly mm-hmm. like everyone else. You know, I lift, but, but I had to lift my belly to see my pagers. Mm-hmm. And I had that rocket ship heavy behind backpack to do airway codes. Mm-hmm. And here I am just hustling like everyone else, mm-hmm. but this time carrying a baby. Mm-hmm. But there is a great deal of pressure to perform mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on with you. And that's part of the reason why there's that toxicity within the culture of medicine, um, because it doesn't take into account that we're humans in this process. Mm-hmm. And it makes you almost feel like the cog, cog in the in machine. The machine. Yeah. yeah, You should not sacrifice the things that you want that's near and dear to your heart for a culture, a machine that could at any point replace you. Yeah, it's good advice. So one of the big pieces that comes up for me as necessary for any relationship at any stage to work is closed loop communication. Mm. Our child almost got hit by a car. Because we did not have tight communication. We were just coming from St. Louis. Our oldest was five years old, and he would just naturally follow me around. You know, that was just the cadence of things. So we got off this long flight, and if anybody knows Houston, that's a long drive, hectic traffic from the airport to downtown. So we parked the car, and I get out to cross the street to pay the parking meter, and... Uh, you get out maybe to stretch your legs or whatever after this long trip. And then next thing you know, we hear, hey, I almost hit your boy. <laughs> That's the Texas, yeah, Texas yeah. accent. And we're like, we both look at each other like, what? And only to see him in the street, like following behind me. I had no idea he was. he would jump out the car, follow behind me. I thought you were still sitting in the car, didn't know you had gotten out to turn around. So that was a heart racing moment where we were like, man, we have to really, you know, keep an eye on the kids and know where we each other are at and where they are at. Yeah. I mean, and at that time, like that's his perspective. My perspective was, you know, because our oldest always follows behind him, Mm -hmm. I thought he knew that he was behind him. And I had no idea that this whole time they thought I was with the kid. Yeah. Right. And so they're in the car with. Yeah. No, I had gotten out the car. So, you know, from this experience, we always touch base regarding a kid. Like, okay, he's following you. He's coming with me. Or, I'm going to the store. I'm taking these two. Exactly. Or, There's one with you. So, yes, it's very, very important nowadays. Yes, to, very proactive because otherwise it's so easy to make assumptions about who has who. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh, those, those assumptions can be fatal. It can be tragic. Very tragic. 
I will say that I like how you implement pretty regularly, I'd say almost on a weekly basis, the date nights. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is key. It's to be able to just get back to that place where we were when we first met mm-hmm. uh, back in 2004. Oh, yeah, the that, fun days. Right, the fun, the excitement. The chatting all day and the, then yeah, going out at night. The Dang. bubbliness. So the, the, the date nights, I mean, it's just simple. It's something as simple as, you know, whether just going to get something to eat. Oh, yeah, having or, a nice... Um, food delivery yeah. and having the kids go downstairs and yeah. yeah, we get to talk and have some good food yeah, or go to a movie, whatever. It's just something that yeah. we get to do where it's like the old days. Yeah. 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 Just like a, just, a, just a taste, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I do appreciate those moments because it just brings me back to who I am and it's not me as mom or me as doctor. Yeah. So. Okay. My other Oh, other surprise as uh, marrying into anesthesiology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can never watch medical TV shows again. Oh it gosh. is the worst. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is not how you intubate. Look at those tapings. Oh, this is terrible. I can <laughs> So this is something you will find out. Honestly, like I have actively looked for opportunities to serve as a consultant for these shows because they're terrible because it's so egregious. But then somebody told me that, Oh, it's intentional that they tape things like on the left side of the mouth and they don't, you know, like they're trying to incite you. They're trying to play into the satire. Um, when they put the chest x-ray backwards and they, (laughs) you know, like I, I, are you really, that's that's what I was told. Okay. So it makes Physicians hate watch their show. So I mean, I and since I have not watched TV in such a long time, you know that. But um, but yeah, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that media have have no idea what what it is that we do, and that's part of the reason for the podcast. The misconceptions what, about <laughs> what you see on on the big screen, it's not like no, that at all. No, yeah. we want to demystify this field. Sorry to take that pleasure away from you. I don't even think you even like those kinds of shows anymore. To summarize our top tips for keeping a healthy marriage, we got married in 2010. I would say getting married ASAP, like we did, like two weeks, and now we're... What are you talking about? Oh, wait, that's right. We dated for like 10 years before getting married. Yeah, we met in 2004. You proposed in 2008, Hmm. and we got married in 2010. So would you recommend such a long dating period before getting married? What do you think is a proper timing for? Obviously, every relationship and circumstance is different. I don't think there was anything wrong with our long engagement. You know, it gave us more time to kick the tires and see what this is going to, you know, how this is going to work for us. Mm Mm-hmm. So again, with you having your own life mm-hmm. and me working out this other side of things with medical school and applying to residency and things. So what was your rationale for waiting until nice. after graduation to get married? That just seemed to be the best time. Fourth year of medical school mm-hmm. is a great time to plan a wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as con- okay. not as many commitments. Okay. That's so. a good tip there. But yeah, fourth year of medical school is a lighter time. Mm-hmm. So great time to plan a wedding. A lot of my friends in my med school class 
ended up getting married around that same time. Like all of our wedding anniversaries are May of, you know, year. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we were married in May 27, 2010. And so it'll be 13 years for us. And uh, so to summarize our tips, one would be uh, closed loop communication, never making assumptions, but being very proactive about what it is that you're going to do, who is with who, because it's just so easy for things to fall through the cracks. Right. A second tip was to have your roles in the family kind of well-defined, or would you say undefined, and you just kind of fill in where it's needed? I mean, again, that's going to vary, I think, couple to couple. I think some people do very well with having a well-defined role. Mm-hmm. Whereas others, they're like, well, it's it's better to have it fluid. For us, we've we've maintained that fluidity for a while now. Each week before the week starts, we have a discussion about what are the unique aspects that yeah, we need to consider this what's week. What's new this week, right. for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a helpful thing to do is so we know you're going to be out of town. Um, what are the kids doing? Do they have play dates scheduled? So yeah, it's yeah. definitely important to have the time management uh, schedule laid out at some regular interval. Yeah. We didn't talk about financials. Yeah. I feel like that's a whole nother dedicated uh, episode. Yeah. But I think financial is a big cu- topic for couples. It and is. how would you say we handled the financials well, you were pretty cavalier about everything. I mean, you didn't come into the relationship expressing financial goals. You have your full-time job, your job satisfied, your salary satisfied your needs. And so you really didn't feel wanting. Me, I came in significant amount of debt. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I wanted to do was get rid of that student loan debt. Mm-hmm. I found it to be pretty suffocating. And thankfully, I was able to get rid of that student loan debt about three years after uh, I think that could also be something we list as a red flag, as if you're someone who has a lot of student loan debt and you're looking at a partner who doesn't, are they willing to accept marrying into that debt obligation? Is that something they're like, absolutely, you take care of that? Or Um, are we going to work on knocking this out together? So I think that's an important discussion to have pretty early on if you're going to be serious about a long-term relationship is, hey, uh, what what are we going to do about this debt? Because there's a lot of student loans here between you or both of you. you No, it's said is critical because what is one of the primary reasons why people get divorced, right? Finances. Oh. Money. I thought you were going to say sex. <laughs> no, it's money. Money mm-hmm. is a huge, uh, huge wedge. And if we don't have clear goals surrounding that, it, it really will tank a relationship. So, um, yeah, we have to be open about what that looks like. Well, as far as we do our Wealth Wednesdays, think having our expenses and things planned out is a great another type of close communications to have a guidepost so we don't fall off the tracks and there's bills that's getting skipped and uh-oh, the lights getting turned off. So we, you want to know who's covering what bills, mm-hmm. what's coming up, any major expenses. And that's going to be key to a 
a smooth running household. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely goes back to the close loop communication. So to know what each other's pay schedules are, it so happens that ours are on alternating weeks. So that works out well. There was a period of time when you were just getting paid once monthly at the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of not for you. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's very important to kind of know where the schedules for the money flows are, Mm -hmm. are coming and coming and going. And other tips for marriage, having that date night, being in a place where you are remembering why you're with that person and coming back to where it all began, you know, that energy, that enthusiasm, that curiosity, um, the the playfulness, yeah. Yeah, not letting that die Mm -hmm. uh, because it's so easy for that, that seedling, right, that started the relationship to cower in the face of all the demands of life. Yeah, just get subsumed by everything going on. So yeah, yeah, gotta keep that flame going. Yeah, yeah. And I think that summarizes all of our things. I think so. All right. Regardless of if you're in a marriage or in any kind of relationship, we as human beings are naturally relational people. So at the very minimum, please be good to yourself. Take yourself out, spend some time doing things you really enjoy and pamper yourself because if you don't, no one else will. All of life is relational. As much as medicine demands so much of us, we have the experience and insight to see how short life really is. In our journey to pursue the next promotion or get another degree, We prioritize our relationships because in the end, it's all that matters. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.